I'd love to see the two of you guys fight it out. That's perfect. Yeah, no kidding. I'm sure you would. <laughs> you guys know it. I'm in last place at the last round of this. I will, yeah. I will absolutely 100% just play spoiler. Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up, forget crop subsidies. We've got a better way to drum up cash for our acreage in Crazy Farmers and the Clôture Electrique. Next, forget travel bans. We snap, chomp, and admire our way to the title of best tourist on the East Sea Road, right from our own homes in Tokaido. And lastly, forget the roulette wheel. It's all or nothing as we gamble for stakes in the casinos themselves in Las Vegas. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid game explorers. Hello, I'm Evan Bernstein, and I deal face up. I'm Ed Povlaitis, and I play my hand face up like a dummy. I'm Mike Grenier, and I'm feeling very vulnerable. As you know, everybody, we play games every week, and we are inviting you to come see the action as it unfolds. Which Game First now streams live every Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time on your Twitch channel. You'll get an inside look on how we learn the game, how we play the game, and most importantly, how much fun we have as it all unfolds. And we are interactive. We read your comments, chat with you over IM, and we might even take your helpful strategic hints. (laughs) I sure will. It's a whole new way of game exploring. And we want you to become a part of the adventure. For example, come watch Mike get angry at me when we played Crazy Farmers last week. It's up on our YouTube channel now. (laughs) Twitch, every Thursday night at 6.30, we will see you at the virtual table. Twitch is free, right, guys? Twitch is free. Yes. Twitch.tv. Go there, type in which game first. We'll be there. And a raid flipper extra. (laughs) (laughs) Our first game up this week is Crazy Farmers and the Clôture Electrique, designed by Jeremy Chassang and Quentin DeCagney, published by The Freaky 42 in 2020. Number of players 1 to 4, ages 14 and up, playtime 30 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us, what's in the box? On the cover of the box, there are two hacked, pimped, and supercharged farm tractors spewing fire and laying down fences, buzzing with electricity, as well as a very disoriented cow. (laughs) (laughs) Inside the box, you get a board, four tractor standees, 53 plot tiles divided unevenly amongst four colors. Same with 50 fences that are also in the box. 55 cards, including bonus cards, mad cow cards, and an endgame card a rulebook, 16 barn tokens, and a mad cow tile. Mad cow! And that's... What's in the box? Before we pour Nitro into the engine of this review, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Crazy Farmers and the Clôture's Electrique, the year is 2042. The European Union has long since cut off financial aid to farmers. 
In order to get out of this situation, farmers created a competition for the installation of electric fences, which very quickly attracted the attention of the public and sponsors. So now is the time for you to enter the arena and become the best electric fence installer. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Actually, someone did. <laughs> um, totally made I, it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on your turn, this is your turn now, on your turn, move your tractor along the paths on the board. Place electric fences behind you. As soon as you surround a plot with your fences, take control of it. However, it will not be that simple. You need to be on the lookout as your opponents will try to stop you by cutting your electric fences or playing event cards. As soon as you control a certain number of plots, depending on the number of players, then you'll win the game. <laughs> I love on the front of this box how the tractor has blades whirling on the front to cut those fences. Metal blades with the electric fences. Kind of make me think, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> I think that's the feel they were going for. But um, did you really see any of that in the box in the gameplay? Well, hang on. We played this on Board Game Arena. We did. So we're going to tell you whether or not we saw it in the digital version, which is available right now. You guys can go play. So did we really feel like there was excitement and adventure, like the ultimate farming championship Sunday, Sunday, Sunday? Was that in the game? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> expand, Evan. Expand. I didn't quite feel it either, but... uh. It added a nice art to the game, though, at least. At least the art made it look exciting. The art is fabulous in this game. I absolutely loved it. It was a really, really cartoony comic strip style, but this had beautiful detail. Yeah, depth. There was some depth. There was dimension to it. And there was also this interesting visual in which the arena that you're that you're playing in is surrounded by the onlookers like the description or the introduction says there was because it becomes the spectator sport of the future and you've got each of the people rooting for their own teams but it's almost like they're looking down at you onto the arena but at the same time like you're in the bottom of a well and they're looking down at you but at the same time the board the game board plays on sort of more of a normal field of top view. down it was, view right it, it was it was interesting uh it was an interesting way of approaching the art for the game and it was a little bit offsetting but at the same time kind of cool yeah it had kind of an escher feel right escher that's very good mike right escher <laughs> yeah i mean you could only get that in a comic style there's no other way to really right. do that and make it look as good as this did the artist is a longtime comic blogger from France. Her name is Cha, C-H-A. The Kickstarter for this just closed, but you can still see it on the Kickstarter page for this game. Her name is Cha. You can look it up and probably look up her uh, blog as well. I did. I, I like the fact that she put like each farm looked like a not really much of a farm of the future. Like one of them had a bunch of nuclear waste barrels floating in like this <laughs> yellow pond for the yellow character. Yeah, and I think I was farming tires for some reason. <laughs> well, there were actually factions, which unfortunately on board game arena, you don't have that same kind of vibe. I think if we were playing at an actual tabletop, we would have maybe felt it a little more. But in watching one of the instructional videos, they said that the four factions are... Well, they go by names, apparently. There's Toxic Tim, which was which was my <laughs> faction, hence the toxic waste barrels and stuff. Mm -hmm. There was another one called Flower Power. Did anyone recognize their character as the Flower Power character? I mean, mine had purple bushes on it. Mine looked like um, pepperoni pizza. 
Yeah. <laughs> there was another one called Rednecks. <laughs> and the last one they just referred to as Badass. <laughs> 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 pepperoni pizza is pretty badass maybe that was you I don't know. That's it. now rednecks was probably red i'm guessing yeah it just wasn't all that clear in board game arena it didn't you know focus on <laughs> i that. wonder if those are translations for like words that sound cooler in french you know i did enjoy the theme where it was just so absurd they're running out of farm subsidies what are they going to do well this is the plan they come up with closing things with electric fences for yeah profit it seems like one of those things step one Enclose our stuff with fences. Step two, I don't know. Step three, profit. Yeah. yeah. The theme was a little superfluous to this, I guess, if you could say. The theme helped me a lot to enjoy the game. Did it inform play? <laughs> Personally, I'd have to say no. Maybe a little. I, I mean, I think it did a little. It did a little. It felt a lot like, to me, like one of those snake app games, as Mike said, those .io games on your phone where you're mm. enclosing and trying not to get cut off and enclosing and trying not to get cut off. In this game, you could get cut off after the enclosure, which is different. But Mike, when we were playing, was cut off quickly. Mm. <laughs> could you recover from that, Mike? Absolutely not. There was no way to recover. The only way chance I had to recover was if you had cut me off a turn later and I had chopped into Evan's territory a little bit Aww. because he was like just about to win. And so, th so this is what happened. Sitting, sitting next to Celeste, first of all, guys, don't do it. It's just a bad, <laughs> just a bad move. <laughs> oh, cool, guys. This is a great game. I'm glad I played it. Glad I played it. Sorry, Mike. No, we can we could have a rematch. <laughs> can't say sorry. This is typical. <laughs> this is too typical for you. Oops! To wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's wait a minute. Wait a minute. That you would apologize right now. <laughs> sorry, Mike. And my and speak for yourself, Mike. <laughs> Evan thoroughly enjoys sitting next to me. That way we can have fun and interact and goof around and oh, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, and take the game right rather seriously and uh, <laughs> consult each other for strategic advice and. <laughs> <laughs> so so what happened in this particular matchup was that uh i was trying to eat into evan's territory because he was about to win in the next turn and because celeste chopped my legs out from underneath me i didn't have any territory to link to anymore so i couldn't take any of evan's territory away and he won the next turn it's not a backstab game but it is a cutthroat game yeah yeah it's very very cutthroat and uh, i think that was part of it where it might the theme might inform the player a little bit in the sense of it's a, telling you it's a competition. No hold barred. Though either you get your territory or they're going to cut you off and take it from you. Mm -hmm. In yeah. that way, it's a little bit like those. Do you ever see the um... battle bots? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Without all the action and excitement because you're just driving a tractor around. I think strategically you have to approach this in one of three ways. You go all offense, just grab as as much land, secure as much land as fast as you can before your opponent does. Or B, you go defensively, make you know, carve out your pieces of land slowly, steadily, all the while in a defensive posture to stop people from cutting into your gains that you've made. Or C, some kind of hybrid of the two. I went on full offense and I neglect and I, I really didn't concentrate on defending myself. I could have really been cut to pieces, but I raced to the end basically to, to outlast it and, uh, and made it to the end for victory. Um, but I think those are the three general strategies to employ in this game. Ed, what did you think of the maneuvering strategies of this game? Because you go around acreage, you go around each circle, 
How does planning affect that? You have only 20 fence pieces. So if you're thinking efficiently, you want to make a big, long path to get as many tiles as possible so that you only, no, you don't want to do each tile one at a time. If I can get five tiles all at once, excellent. Problem is then you're leaving yourself exposed with such a long line to uh, getting cut off by some nefarious farmers. And this is a tight board. There's not a ton of space on this board. So running into another tractor is going to happen. The same size board, it looks like, is used for um, the number of players. So on a four-player game, we're going to be in each other's faces instantly. But if you're doing like a two-player game, you might have had a little bit more time to like maneuver and gather up stuff. The fence limit did not occur to me until like my third turn. <laughs> well, you get your fences back if you surround a territory, you take the fences back off and you can use them again. So, right. But if you're trying to be action efficient, you know, you don't want to waste fences to go all the way around each hex and then go all the way around the next hex. Because if right. you just go around the outside of the territory you're trying to claim, you save tons of actions by not going into those intermittent spots. And they give you a little boost to encourage making long fences because... Once there's at least four pieces of fence behind you, you get an extra action. <gasps> yeah. And uh, you get cards by surrounding the farms. I'm not sure there were enough cards in this game. There's not a lot of ways to trick your opponent or trap them, you know, because they see where your tractor is and it can't go backwards, you know, so you're always going forward. So you only have a couple choices of what you can do until you get one of those cards. Actually, you can go backwards. But you, well, you could, but you waste an action going backwards. Right. Right. So you don't want to waste actions. So they see what you're trying to do pretty, pretty readily. Yeah. And you don't get card replenishment. You know, once you surround a farm, that's it. You get one card for that and you don't get to draw another one when you use it. And, uh, and, you, and they incentivize you to get other people's barn because um, mm-hmm, if you barn. capture somebody else's barn, you get two cards instead of one. So it oh. encourages the fight. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of have to in a game like this though you know because if if you're trying to be maximum maximally strategic you're going to just try to get that one big farm and everybody's going to try to do that and the first player will just win you're fighting for limited resources in space mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and if you played a polite game it would be a very boring game <laughs> yeah okay explorers it's time to dig up or bury crazy farmers and the clôture électrique ed the theme felt a little bit off for me, and the furious grab for lamb seemed like it would be fun for a couple of plays, but I suspect my personal interest would wane after a few battles. I'd play if somebody else digs this up, but I'm going to bury it in my hayride. Mike? This game doesn't deliver the knockdown, drag-out battle that the box cover promised me, so I'll say bury it. Evan? Crazy Farmer, it's not a bad area control game. I did feel the whole farmer vibe, so I just wish I'd hammed it up more. <laughs> Dig her up, Paul. <laughs> it had good pacing and no risk of getting bogged down in the rules. That is one thing I liked a lot. A bizarre, don't think too hard about it setting, and a gleeful theme. I know my kids would enjoy this game, so I'm going to dig it up. Evan, where can you find it? This game was funded on Kickstarter, which just ended. And it is expected to reach backers and store shelves at the end of this year. But in the meantime, 
go ahead to Board Game Arena and give it a try. Kickstarter. It also has like some wooden pieces and some cool upgrades on there too. So check that out. Check them out on Kickstarter. They may even have some late order options. If you have thoughts about Crazy Farmers and the Clotier Electrique, let us know. We would love to hear from you. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch, 6.30s Eastern Time, Thursday nights. Twitch, 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 Twitch. Twitch. Our next game up is Tokaido, designed by Antoine Bauza, published by Fun Forge in 2012. Number of players 2 to 5, ages 8 and up. Playtime 45 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. The cover of this box features a colorful Japanese village bursting with inviting tourist attractions and breathtaking scenery on a crisp white backdrop. Inside, you'll discover a game board, five traveler meeples, five travel point markers, which are small wooden circles, five player color tokens, 50 coins, 10 traveler tiles, and 142 cards consisting of hot springs, panorama, meals, souvenirs, encounters, and achievements. Everything you'll need for your lovely vacation. And that's... What's in the box? (laughs) Before we find out if this game is a journey worth taking, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Tokaido, each player is a traveler crossing the East Sea Road, one of the most magnificent roads of Japan. While traveling, players will choose to stop at available destinations and take actions there. The action spaces allow things like collecting money, buying souvenirs, discovering panoramas, meeting travelers, eating memorable meals, yum, or just stopping to take a breath and enjoy the beauty all around. The player who is currently last on the track takes a turn by advancing forward to their desired action space and taking that action. So players must choose whether to advance slowly in order to get more turns, which is what I did, or travel more rapidly to beat other players to their desired action spaces. The game ends when all players have reached the end and the traveler with the best stories, most VPs, of course, wins the game. I like that VPs are stories. That's cool. Yeah. (laughs) We played this game on Board Game Arena. What did you guys think of the layout on that platform? The art style, I thought, was well represented. However, the interface sometimes was a little unclear of how to get it to do what you needed it to do. And I'll expand on that by saying you couldn't, it was hard to sort of see the entire board front to end. You had to sort of almost scroll along at certain points. And seeing the entire board is really important, right, Ev? I think so. I I I thought it was. And, you know, obviously you don't have that issue if you're playing on a tabletop. There are limitations with playing these games online. This was one of them. Yeah, if you guys had a chance to listen to the whole gameplay audio, you'd Remember that I was extremely frustrated at a couple points because uh, at one point you're trying to choose food to eat and you don't want to have the same kind twice. So I couldn't see the ones I already had behind the ones that I had options to buy. Uh, Let's see. I don't know which one I already have. Can you guys see my screen which food I have? Because I can't move it out. I can see it. What is it called? Oka and Sendogoza. Um, no, that's no. not the food. That's not Nagu- 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 uh, uh, not Misho Miru, right? Okay. Good. Oh, I'm sorry. That bowl of soup is not the food. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a real hard time centering the map to where I could see 
the part of the map that I was trying to get to. And that's a shame because this game is beautiful to look at. Oh, yeah. It's one of those lovely meditative games like Lanterns that I fully enjoyed just sort of wandering through. And that mm-hmm. was really nice. I think the journey is so important to be able to see the whole way because you have to decide what you're going to collect along the way to win. So you kind of need to know how many taverns are left on the journey and how many vistas are left to look at. Uh, You've got to plan out your trip so that you get enough stuff to win. What did you guys think of the fact that some spaces lacked enough room for everybody to go to? This reminds me of the mechanic in Park, where you get to go as far forward as you like and get the spaces you really want. But if you want to take more actions, you maybe try to risk a little bit and just go just a little bit ahead and hope that your spot doesn't get taken by someone else. And I'm talking about you, Mikey. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was being, in my normal fashion, very greedy and trying to take the trip really slow and get as many spaces as I can because... Every space is a resource in one way or another, and almost a million ways to earn victory points in this game. So whatever you get has some value at some point in the game. But there was a little frustration when a couple players were occupying the only spots on a particular stop, and you had no choice but to go past them. And you have that feeling of, wait, wait, Mom, we drove past this thing. I wanted to stop and look. (laughs) It's like, oh, man, I really wanted to try that delicious meal in there but the line is so long forget it (laughs) (laughs) it would have been worth waiting for so much for the zen vibe you know that adds that little level of frustration which you know hey every game has to have some level of that every tour certainly has one and every (laughs) every worker placement game definitely wouldn't be worker placement without some kind of frustration like that i really love the mechanic about the player who is furthest behind it's their turn so if everybody moved three space past you you could move all three of those spaces like in a row but it does mean that the guy going first because he's last often has to skip over things because other Mm -hmm. people are in his way ahead of him yeah it's true you collect cards and you get to build your scenes with the cards so you start with one but you pick up the next matching one it expands the same picture and you get to play it out you want it's neat because you want to get all five cards so you can see the entire expanse of the panoramic shot there i thought that was really nice they were beautiful they totally reminded me of those artworks you get for your living room where you have to buy four canvases to make the whole picture yeah it was really cool and some sets were harder to collect and others were some were only three pictures to get the whole canvas and others you needed five pieces to get the whole canvas. And that was a place where BGA did a great job uh, rules locking for you because it did tell you on every single Vista how many you needed to complete it. And that was really useful. I really tried to form a strategy where I was going to buy all the knickknacks out of the shops. But when you got four players, it really limits the amount of choices you can have to make your own strategy work. Yeah, like Mikey was going to the shop so often, I had to avoid the shop because everybody was in it. I would never have the opportunity to go to shop unless I wanted to skip like five bases ahead, and I didn't want to do that. So I just went to the temples. And I had to sacrifice the temples because I could see that everybody else was sort of getting ahead on them, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to skip the temples. These are all the types of decisions you make on a tour when you're touring someplace. 
<laughs> and Celeste beat me by two points because I didn't see some of those bonus points coming in at the end. I miscalculated and she beat me. Oh, yeah. You want to vacation with me. I know exactly how to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminds me of that Chevy Chase movie. Like, yep, yep. Okay, this is good. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, Celeste ran a LARP for a long time. Come on. It's all about, okay, encounter one, encounter two, <laughs> encounter three. Here we go. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Tokaido. Mike? If I'm looking to relax and not stress out too much about strategy, I'd play this again. So dig it up. Evan? This game reminded me quite a bit of Parks, as Ed mentioned earlier. I like the mechanics and the various strategies you can take. I see good replayability in this game. It's very interesting. Dig it up. Ed? Some game are more about the journey than the goal itself. There is a certain joy in charting your own path. Well, if it isn't blocked by somebody. (laughs) (laughs) I'll dig this up for another journey or two. This game is one of those lovely experiences that may have you imagining the sights and sounds of the East Sea Road so much that you forget about winning, which gives you two ways to enjoy it. So (laughs) I have a double reason for digging it up. Evan? Where can you find this game? You can find Takedo online, obviously, and perhaps at your local game store. The latest edition retails for about $40. Board Game Arena is your friend if you want to try it out there first. A new game called Namiji re-implement Takedo with some new action pages, and it should be coming out later this year. Wow. Oh, fun. If you have thoughts about Takedo, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Our last game up this week is Las Vegas, designed by Rudiger Dorn, published by Ravensburger in 2012. Number of players, two to five, ages eight and up, playtime, 30 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. This box cover shows a man and a woman tossing two dice right at you over a craps table. And they're surrounded by nearly every single Vegas trope and stereotype you can think of. (laughs) There's like a Cadillac and a pile of money and famous sign. They've got it all. Fireworks. (laughs) Um, Inside, there's 40 dice, six casinos, and 54 banknotes ranging from $10,000 to $90,000. And that's... What's in the box, baby? Before we find out if this game is worth betting on... Evan, tell us how it's played. Las Vegas is an easy dice rolling, fun and luck game with a lot of interaction and schadenfreude, according to the designers. (laughs) At the beginning of each round, at least 50k in money cards are placed at six casinos, one for each side of a normal six-sided die. Each player has eight dice of a different color. On your turn, roll all of your dice, then choose which of the sets of numbers rolled you want to place on one of the matching casinos. You must place all dice of one number on one casino in your turn. If I roll all twos, or if I roll a bunch of twos, I'm taking all the twos out of my hand and putting them there. All players take turns until everyone has placed all of their dice. Then each casino awards its money to the player with the most dice at that casino, skipping over all tied players, very important, and they earn nothing. Ties earn you nothing in this game. (laughs) 
Vegas is for winners, baby. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and after four rounds of fun and excitement, the player with the most money, as is usual in Vegas, wins. Ring, ding, 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 ding. We played this game on yukata.de. Yes, we did. What an interface. <laughs> Evan, how did it play on Yukata? Surprisingly well. Yukata, I think, finally... Roll the, roll the box cars with this one, shall we say, because it actually played it, it played so well. We were like, are we really on Yukata playing this game at one yeah. point? I mean, there's very little programming for this game. So hope, I'm glad they got this one right. Uh, that might have been the advantage. The game is super simple. So even Yukata managed to make it easy to play. <laughs> wow. Let's trash Yukata. Those yeah. are called backhanded compliments. If you have <laughs> <laughs> wow, even these morons got it perfect. I got one more backhanded compliment. <laughs> the rules locking was so clean on this game, I didn't even mind that I had to hit eight buttons to finish a turn. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Even They found a way to even make this turn longer somehow than it should be on Yukata. Even this simple game. This game could not be simpler. It is roll dice, place dice. That is it. <laughs> yep. And the visual representation in Yukata was relatively pleasing and informative. <laughs> what a high compliment. Rel you look relatively pleasing today. <laughs> it was very much the exact stuff that came in the box. Banknotes, everything mm -hmm. was the same mm -hmm. as what's in the box. Lots of times when we're playing these games online now, we look at the box and we're like, "What? wow, those are the pieces? So different. Who was on the $90,000 bill? Was it Sinatra? No, it was George Washington because George Washington was on every note. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't matter the, the, the this value. This game was so simple that when we played it for our Twitch TV... Uh, I basically started spouting off Vegas trivia because there was nothing else to do in between turns. It's not like you're going to be doing massive strategizing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're at the mercy of these dice for your strategy. Well, I rolled one, one and three sixes. And what am I going to do? Right. But there's a surprising number of choices based on what other players are doing. So, no, if Mikey, for example, puts all of his twos on that casino, I'm like, ah, darn it. I was planning to keep that casino. So now do I fight Mikey for that or do I go somewhere else? But those evaluations can be done right before you place your dice. Well, yeah, you, won't ha you don't have a choice until you roll your dice. <laughs> you don't even see it. Right? So yeah. if you want to hear lots of information about Vegas casinos, <laughs> While watching a fun game be played, check us yeah. out on our YouTube channel. Yep. It was fun. I admit it. It was fun, even though I'm an unlucky dice roller, <laughs> and I got exactly what I expected. Now, there are versions of the games you can play. Mm -hmm. For example, you can introduce a house set of dice, set effectively backseat drivers that just clog up the casinos and make it harder for you to, to score money there. <laughs> Yeah, we played that variant, and it was surprisingly fun to throw backseat drivers in other people's casinos. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and those phantom dice that you get are for everybody. So if everybody wants to drag the leader down, they can all contribute to doing that with their little phantom dice. It was nice that Yukata.de had those rules uh, options, in, and you could just choose them when you're picking your game style before you even start the game another option was the oversized novelty die <laughs> that you get to have in your in your 
collection of dice, and that mm-hmm. counted for two. It was worth two dice. I think we were just calling it the fatty die after a while. Right? <laughs> yeah, the fatty die. It's interesting because you have that super vote that you can use, but you only got one of them. Yeah. So when do you use it? Use it wisely. Mm-hmm. Like we said in the intro, a really important thing in this game is that ties eliminate both people that are tied at the end of the round. So you could spread your dice out, kind of like what Celeste did a lot of, and end up winning a bunch of stuff that you weren't even a contender for because other people eliminated each other. I learned something from playing this game just now. Uh, George Washington is on the $80,000 bill, folks. <laughs> so that, that will get me far That is school. good to know. <laughs> on the final roll of one of the games we played, someone rolled, I don't remember who, and I wound up going from leading in those two casinos to being tied and got nothing out of those two <laughs> casinos. I got totally <laughs> yep. killed on the last roll of the game. Oh, yeah, that's it, man. It goes right down to that last die roll a lot of times, which feels a lot like gambling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <it's true. laughs> and that was the one area where I felt it kind of sped it up a little too much. It's like it came your turn, it rolled and placed your die. And like, what? What happened? I don't know. I normally get a choice. Oh, I didn't have a choice, but darn it. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I have three dice left and. You know, on my last turn, there's one number I don't want to roll. And of course, Yukata rolls all three of that same number and places them. And I'm like, ah, my turn is over and I've completely got crushed this turn. All right. I'll 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 uh, throw a little bash at Yukata. There was no audio of the sound of dice clicking together <laughs> and rolling. So I miss I miss that whenever there's dice games. If it's absent, I find it, you know, a, quite a void for me. Yeah. So I played a physical version and the dice are nice little... Uh, rounded, dark color sixes, they are fun to roll. I have a suggestion if you're playing on yukata.de. Just while you're playing on Yukata, go to YouTube and look for a audio of casino noises. <laughs> Background casino. Play it while you're playing on Yukata. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Las Vegas. Evan? This game kind of surprised me. It's really easy to understand, and yet there's quite a bit going on. The choices make up for the randomness of the dice rolls. I think it's pretty well balanced and fun. Dig it up. Mike? You don't get a lot of control over your strategy in the base game, but the variants add a whole bunch to it. I would definitely dig this up for me and my casual buddies. Ed? While it's simple, Las Vegas offers fun and surprisingly interesting choices of what to do with your dice. Dig it up for some shouted fighter. Fun to play, easy to play, tons of rolling dice, just enough strategy, dig it up. Evan, where can you find this game? Las Vegas may be hard to find at game stores, but we found some secondhand copies online. They're about 20 bucks. I think that's totally worth it. You may have more luck finding the Royal version. That one will set you back about 50 bucks. I'd buy that too. And, of course, it's online at yukata.de. The Las Vegas Royal Edition came out in 2019. It combined the original Las Vegas game with Las Vegas Boulevard expansion. If you have thoughts about Las Vegas, baby, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you're doing. Give us a shout out on any social media platform. We'd love to hear from you. 
If you'd like more from our show, including episodes of our exclusive patron-only podcast, bonus points, points. just go to our website and click on become a supporter today. If you get a chance, leave us a rating or a review on your favorite podcaster. It really helps others find the show. Join our chat on our Discord server. It is hot and hopping. Yeah. Happy gaming explorers. Roll the bones. Uh, That roll was crap. Yahtzee!